As international travel becomes more accessible, understanding the requirements for your pet is crucial. In this episode, Dr. Nelva Bryant returns to guide us through the essential steps and considerations for smooth international travel with your furry companions. If you're planning a possum trip abroad, you won't want to miss this week's episode of the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome into the Family Pet Podcast, the podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, joined once more for episode two in a row, Haley, joined by Haley Cameron. Uh, Haley, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for having me. We also have a return. We just we just hit pause and re, and then hit record again because we are, are maintaining the same guests that we had uh, for the episode that we released last week. Uh, we're joined by Dr. Nelva Bryant. She is a consultant. She's the consulting veterinarian for Delta Airlines, and she also provides pet health travel information through her company, When Pets Fly. And you can find that at When Pets. Dot com, and we'll have that linked in the show notes. Dr. Bryant, welcome back to the Family Pet Podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this information. This is, I am fascinated. I, have, I, I wanted to ask this last time, but we just got rolling in the podcast so quickly. But how in the world did you niche down to being a consulting veterinarian for an airline? Like, are there any others like you out there? Are you it? Mm-hmm. I think I'm it. I think I'm it. And I think I'm it worldwide too. To that's yeah. that's amazing. How did that happen? Well, let's see. I, okay. I was at the point of retiring from the United States Public Health Service in 2018. I, my last role, my last role was at, was at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So CDC, I was a quarantine with the quarantine branch. I was a dog importation SME. A subject matter expert. So I was very familiar with dogs traveling, coming into the country, the required regulatory requirements. So um, upon retirement, I was looking for an opportunity to kind of continue with travel. And lo and behold, I was on LinkedIn and I saw advertisement for a veterinarian for Delta Airlines and mm. I jumped on it. The timing was perfect for me because I was looking for, for an opportunity to continue on with transportation. Uh, I interviewed with them. First interview went great. They call me back for the second one, and I somehow um, kind of didn't mean to do it in the time, but I kind of took over the interview during the second part because <laughs> I felt that they were asking me questions that were related to a clinical vet. Mm-hmm. So I and I understand why they they probably didn't understand. They they were told by their CE their COO that they needed a veterinarian, but they did not really understand all the capabilities that a veterinarian could bring. So the advertisement for that role was more of a clinical position. And during the second interview, I told them that that's not what they needed. They needed a veterinarian that actually knew regulations, right. had kind of, uh, you know, uh, connections with different state authorities, other federal agencies, and um, have worked kind of in an environment. Because uh, my role with CDC, uh, with the quarantine branch, we were I was in a headquarters position, and there was uh, folks in the field that were trying to uh, – basically enforce our regulations. So I was very familiar with being in an HQ position and helping people out in the field. So I just shared all that information as far as what they needed, what I was, and, they, and more or less they said, you know, 
you know, of course I said, Hey, this is what you need. And they said, well, what do you have? And I said, well, that's what I got. That's what I, that's, that's what, what I, I am. I am yep. that person. Yep. But uh, that's really the, <laughs> so I'm glad then, I, I'm glad I asked that question because I think it's the yes. perfect lead in for our episode topic today, which is mm-hmm. health certificates, or as you like to call them certificates of veterinary inspection for that are required for air travel. And oh, yeah. this is this is what first this when I first heard you talk, this is when I emailed Stephen, my my co-host, my normal co-host, um, who's maybe getting replaced. Haley's doing such a good job. But um, <laughs> we I, I emailed him immediately and I said, we have to book Dr. Bryant because we are um, we are one of the very few veterinary hospitals in our area that does international health papers. And the reason is because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of paperwork and they seem to be different all the time. Like depending on the country, everything's different. And so Mm -hmm. I would really like for us to talk about that today. Um, Maybe we could just start. I said health certificates. You like to call them certificates of veterinary inspection. Is there a difference between those two titles and what is required for air travel? Well, again, I think the slang term, and I'm going my quotation quotes, is health certificate. But uh, as far as the federal form itself, it really is a certificate of veterinary Mm -hmm. inspection. Um, It really it's not really an indicator of health. That's why I don't like the term used, because it actually just indicates the animal has no sign of infectious diseases or, you know, or that it will also state maybe that they meet the requirements of that destination state or for um domestic travel and uh, for the destination, if it's an international travel for international health certificate, it meets those requirements too. So it's going to vary. As you mentioned, uh, international health certificates are really detailed. Pet owners should start as early as possible. If you decide you want to go to Australia in next year, well, you need to let your veterinarian make sure they're aware of that. Because it can take you good, say, six to seven month, months to meet the requirements for your pet to enter oh, wow. Australia. Wow. So be mindful of that. So as soon as you know your plan, as soon as you decide this is what I want to do with my pet, talk to your veterinarian and get that started. So but how the does the is, pet owner start the, getting the ball rolling? How do they obtain that health certificate or certificate of veterinary inspection? They're going to come to their, make the, well, they decide in their, their travel plans. And make an uh, appointment with your veterinarian and uh, and start the process. And it says, come in, if you decide you want to travel to wherever. And the airlines are going to require that uh, for transport going by cargo, that they have a health certific- certificate dated with, oh, and I, look, I did my own faux pas. Uh, <laughs> health certificate dated within 10 days of travel. And that is a requirement going by, by cargo. So, um, but again, and it, it makes you think, oh, it's just going to take a few days to get it done. But gosh, you travel internationally, like I said, it can take you six to seven months to meet that requirements for your destination and you, country. And you better, like like Dr. Bryant said, the moment you make plans and decide that you're taking your pet, you your first call needs to be to your veterinarian and ask them, will you be able to help me with this? Like, I'm going, yes. I'm going to this destination I don't even know what they need yet, but will you even be the veterinarian that will help me? Because there are vet offices that will not write or deal with this because it's a lot of work, um, it, especially if you're not familiar with it. I think Stephen is our 
main point of contact here that works through it. Whenever somebody calls and says, do you all do travel per- paperwork? We say, yes, but you need to talk to Steven. <laughs> and and if oh, yeah. he, if he were to, if he were to not be at work, uh, uh, we would have to reevaluate whether we could dedicate the time to, to, to do these or it's, not. It's, it's very detailed. And number one thing too, so, uh, the pet owners realize this too. The veterinarian has to be a, a USDA accredited veterinarian. Uh, yep, yep, that's another good point. To complete this documentation. Um, so just be mindful of that. I mean, uh, some veterinarians don't want to do it. They don't want to be involved. It's too tedious for them to go through the whole process. Because like I said, it might, depending on the country, you might need uh, a rabies titer done. So that's an appointment. What is, um, uh, can you explain to, because you mentioned this last at the last episode, yeah. and, and I know the answer to yeah. this, but can you explain to our listeners out there the different, like what is, when you say rabies titers, what does that mean? Well, we, we, dogs, are vac- dogs and cats are vaccinated either yearly or every three years against rabies. The rabies titer is actually checking their the rabies titer values within that pet because over time they can either wax or wane. Uh, I and I'll give this actually a prime example. Some I remember folks saying, "Oh, my 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 dog had a vaccine reaction to rabies. Can you just accept a titer?" Well, um, and that was years ago when they were coming into the U.S. At the time, we didn't acknowledge the tighter values. So it was like, no, they have to show proof of a rabies vaccination. But the reality is, think about it. Um, accidents can happen with your rabies vaccination, technically. Mm-hmm. Say if it's not held at the proper temperature um, before giving it or any, anything like that can, can impact your pet getting the proper dosage and developed, you know, having the, the, the correct tighter values. So they learned over time the tighter value is the best way to determine that a pet is adequately vaccinated against rabies. So it's so taking that's why a, not. yeah, it's taking a blood, it's a blood, it's a blood test. And we're yes, looking sir. for basically the antibodies in the blood to make sure that mm-hmm. the pet has protection for whatever. Yep. I mean, and we can test titers for, for any of the vaccines that we have out there. Oh, yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so, so you're saying like, that some countries require that, that it's titers and not just proof of a vaccine. Right. Because, yep. again, there an error can happen. Um, there's been situations where, uh, OK, I'll give you a situation where uh, I know where it happened, where um, and, and I think this is probably the reason why certain countries are not allowed to import dogs in the U.S. through CDC as far as their dog importation regulations uh, in Egypt. A couple of years back, there were some dogs coming from there that were rescued and upon arrival in the U.S., they broke with rabies mm-hmm. and actually had rabies. And lo and behold, they found out that they actually were not actually vaccinated. I think they it was false false information. So I, just they weren't go, vaccinated. I just go back to thinking about Old Yeller, the old movie. Remember? Did you ever watch Old Yeller? <laughs> I Haley? did. You yeah, have? I remember. I that. made that my kids bad. watch it the other last summer. I yeah. think we had like a yeah. we were watching all the classics. My daughter was just beside herself that we made her watch that movie because she knew what was yeah. going to happen. But, but, uh, it, it is, it's a deadly, it's a fatal virus. And when humans, if you, when you start showing clinical signs, you're dead. And so you're done. Yep. It's just, it, you're, it's a zombie virus is what it is. It's, it's people forget. I mean, again, my dog's laying here lounging next to me, half sleep. 
I love my girl, but I also have to remember that she is a, she is a dog and I have to make sure she's properly vaccinated mm-hmm. so that I don't get something from That's her right. potentially. Whew. You know, um, there's a lot of folks that forget that one detail and say they're on vacation somewhere and they see this cute stray puppy. And yes, I want to bring him back to the United States and um, think everything's perfectly fine. But lo and behold, it, it has rabies mm. and now he's exposed you. Um, if a dog gets it, unfortunately, forget it. They're, it's it's not going to make it. They're, if anything, it, it will die or they'll have to be euthanized and they'll have to test it and confirm that it's rabies. Um, and as you say, even with people, we get exposed to it, really, um, it's a done deal um, if we get exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, there's the rabies pro- prophylaxis vaccines if you catch it in time and yeah, but once you show, but, once you're showing clinical signs, it's it's oh, yeah, it's too late. Yeah. So we had touched on that there are a lot of very specific requirements for different countries. Where can the mm-hmm. pet parents go to find those specific requirements? I think a great place to look is the the USDA pet travel website. You can find the requirements for a lot of the destination countries on there. And then another positive thing to do as well is say that country itself. There, most countries will have a um, almost like a pub. Not, you know, well, it's like a health website, and they'll tell you the importation requirements for animals into their country. So they'll list it as well. I would do both. I wouldn't just stick with USDA right. pet travel website because sometimes that website is um, it's not as detailed sometimes. And a prime example, I was recently looking at Japan. On their website for entry requirements, they actually give you a step by step what you need to do, which is awesome. Nice. But if you go to the yeah, if you but if you go to the USDA pet travel website, it's not in that format. And and you know how it is. Hey, tell me step one, step two, and I'm perfect. But if you leave it wide open and then I have to figure out the timeline, pain in the butt. Yep. So um, just be aware of the, the destination website also. I also want to. Uh, I also want to point out and just talk to our listeners just from a veterinarian's perspective or veterinary hospital's perspective. And Haley, you help me with this because I know you take a lot of these phone calls too, but a couple of things that you need to expect is that this is not going to be an inexpensive, it's it's going to be pricey. This is, mm-hmm. this is a lot of work. So it's a lot of work for the veterinary hospital. It's also a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if, if a veterinarian lets a dog out of, or signs off on something like they're putting their whole license on the line. Yep. Uh, and when we talk about other countries, it's just, it just magnifies that a little bit. So when you, when veterinary, if your veterinarian that you is your primary veterinary partner says, no, nah, we don't do health certificates. That's why is that it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of liability. So that's one thing. Another thing is that it slows them down or takes, it takes a lot of time to sit down and check the paperwork and, and, and make sure that it's all in compliance. And if they're doing that, then they're not able to see other pets. So they have to compensate for that as far as, I mean, these veterinary hospitals are businesses, so they have to charge appropriately for their, for their time. So expect this to be a, a kind of an expensive process uh, if you're doing that. The other thing yeah. that the other thing that I want to make sure our listeners understand is that there are I don't know how many countries are in the world. Maybe that would be a fun fact. But there are there are let's there's more than a hundred countries in the world, and it is impossible for the veterinarian and the veterinarian staff to know all the requirements for each individual country. So they may ask you to do a lot of the legwork on finding out like 
I need you to bring in all the forms. I need you to know, you know, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do um, as far as requirements go. So as Dr. Bryant said, there are resources out there, not Mm -hmm. only from the USDA, but also from the country that you're going to, that they also will tell you what you need. So you need to take the responsibility and take the initiative to to look into that, to help your veterinary team uh, move through that process. It, your health, your health inspection form can be denied. It has to go to the USDA and it can be denied for one period, one decimal place being off. We have had those kickbacks where we, where Stephen one time didn't put, he, he did month, date, year, but they wanted it in month, day, year. And so it just threw, so the whole form got kicked back to us. The people were already on the way. <laughs> so it's, it's very stressful. And, um, it's, very, very much so. So, folks, you did realize that. Uh, and just adding on to what you said there, uh, Michael, um, there's no universal international health certificate. It's all going to be based upon that destination country, mm-hmm. and you have to meet that requirement of that country. And guess what? If you decide to go to Australia, to New Zealand, you're going to need to meet the requirements for Australia and New Zealand. So, whatever country you go to, you have to make sure your pet meets the requirements for each destination. Well, I th- I think we've covered uh, what I what was on my list. Is, uh, is there anything that we should have talked about that we haven't yet well, as as it relates to I, certificates? Pet, pet travel. Mm-hmm. One thing that I I've, I've been I've been we've been talking about the documents and briefly went into preparing them with the crates and acclimation. But you know, one thing we haven't touched on is that that animal itself, which I think most places aren't touching upon, and I think that's what sets me apart. No one has asked. Is my pet healthy enough for this travel? No one has asked, uh, is it in the best interest for my pet to travel? Good point. We need to figure that out, too. Yeah, we just my assume because we want to travel that our pet's going yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they want to go, too. No, um, they may not want to go. Mm-hmm. They might like the comforts of home and the, <laughs> the consistency and how things are done. But I would say, if anything, always, always review the medical history or medical records with, of your pet with your veterinarian to ensure they don't have any any underlying condition that can get ex- ex- exacerbated during pet travel. Remember, it's, it's, it is stressful for them. Uh, worst thing you need to happen is say, uh, uh, I always say this, if my physician said to me, you know, you have a heart condition, you can't fly, you better believe it, I'm not flying. Mm-hmm. So what, as a veterinarian, we need to start looking at these medical records and these dogs that have heart murmurs or whatever, maybe further diagnostics are needed to figure out what's going on with that pet and then also, maybe it's not in the best interest for that pet to fly. Do you have any resources for pet parents or like a checklist that they can look at to kind of get an idea of whether their pet is up for that kind of travel? Right. And I, I don't yet. And thank you, Haley. I probably need to develop something in reference <laughs> to that. I haven't done that yet. Um, what I have done and I can share with folks, um, I'm really proud of this. I have a book chapter that's coming out in uh, Ettinger's textbook of veterinary internal medicine. I actually have a, a chapter, it's two pages, and actually it focuses on international pet travel. So I might want to look into that, Michael and Haley, too. Okay. Um, it's going to be in the next uh, version of that, uh, next volume, um, or next edition, I'm sorry, of that um, textbook. But that's coming up within there. I do have some forms that um, can be printed for the pet owners just to realize what they're doing as far as what are the requirements going to that destination? 
um, and, and things that you can eat. So there is something that's going to be there to at least assist in getting the thought process of going all of all the things you need to do when transporting your pet internationally. And another one thing I want to add before uh, we finish this is always remember, if you leave the U.S., you have to come back, right? That's right. You have to make sure. You, have, you can't just say, my dog's an American dog. <laughs> that's not going to work. You have to meet the requirements of CDC, the CDC's dog importation regulatory requirements. That's going to be for personal pets. Okay. Now, if you are a rescue organization and you're bringing a bunch of dogs or cats back, you have to meet the requirements of USDA's. Uh, they have a dog importation requirements, too. And those, again, for dogs for uh, sale or adoption, uh, they, I believe they have to be at least six months of age for them and fully vaccinated and, and a series of other things. That and then is also, a lot. like I said, yeah, yeah that's there's a lot, lot involved. Well, I think we, uh, yeah, look, yeah, I always worry more, about more? like, when you when you go on a cruise ship or whatever, it's like don't lose your passport. You have to come home. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. And Stephen and I had I a case a few months ago where a pet had traveled to the United States from Japan, and getting them back home was an entirely different process. Oh man! So mm-hmm. that is for sure true. Mm. At at one point to come into the U.S., it was very simple, um, but CDC has now beefed up or more, they've become more stringent, which is awesome. I know, because because I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay yeah, with that. Because again of those outbreaks of rabies coming into the U.S., mm. um, so they're more stringent a lot. But trust me, a lot of people don't like it. But they're more stringent as far as the requirements coming in um, to the U.S. and and we need that. We need to protect our our, our country and protect public health. Because again, rabies, as we mentioned earlier, it's a, pub, a disease of public health significance. So That's we right. don't need to get it. That is, uh, we did an episode, um, previous episode on One Health, and this is just another example of One Health, where yeah. veterinary medicine is 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 connected hand in hand with human medicine and, and human health, protecting our country. So, Doctor Bryant, thank you so much for bringing all of this information to our curious pet parents. It is the time in our show where we ask you to bring a fun fact to our listeners. This is something that's going to help them win trivia night or at least impress their friends and family as we approach the holiday season. What is your fun fact for our curious pet parents out there? Okay. Name a condition, and I don't mean in disease, name a condition in which you don't want your pet to travel. When would you not want your pet to travel? I'm going to say if they're pregnant. Yay! I love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pets during the uh, during the third trimester, they do not want them traveling because of the potential of them to, I mean, the stress of the whole environment. Oh, gosh. Can they you imagine? <laughs> they gave birth. Delivery, the... abortion, <sighs> and all that. So, yeah. yes, that's the one. Con- See, again, I, I gave it away to you. See, you know. I gave it away to you because I said it wasn't a disease. That's right. So, that's yes. right. Uh, well, Dr. Bryant, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Remind all of our curious pet parents out there where they can find you and all of the information that you provide. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. I uh, have a website called When Pets Fly. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the title of the website is When Pets Fly. It's www.whenpets.com. So W-H-E-N-P-E-T-S.com. Great. And we will we will link that in the show notes so that everybody can find you. Dr. Brian, again, thank you so much for joining us. And for all of you curious pet parents out there, until next time, stay curious. 
Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet Podcast is a production of Family Pet Health PLLC and is recorded in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only, and you should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on anything that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com.